Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for February 10th, 2019. Uh, this is the, uh, which which Sunday of Epiphany is this? Fifth. Six, fifth? Sixth? Fifth. Fifth. <laughs> fifth, definitely. Uh, so uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, and I'm going to kick us off because we have a we have a an actual legitimate question that I have received awesome. for the podcast, uh, and again, just to push that uh, uh, forward, uh, it's a shortcut at hfec.org. If you have a question about the upcoming lectionary reading, the pat one of the past lectionary readings, a question about the Episcopal Church, a general question, uh, how to change a tire. Um, yeah, I could do that. We we we'll, we'll tackle it. So uh, light plumbing. Yeah. There, <laughs> No, not for me. Okay. <laughs> I've got very little to contribute to most conversations, but I will make noise uh, as we record. But uh, but yeah, so we have a we have a question, and Scott asks, in the love chapter of First Corinthians, which Greek word for love does Paul use? I know the KJV in in that version it is translated as charity and not love. Is it agape, storge, philia? I'm guessing it was not eros. Scott's very correct, and you know he had a 50-50 chance of guessing right, because he does name the, the answer in his question, and that is the term is agape, okay. which is, a, a, uh, it's more than simply friendship. It is a deep, deep compassion for your fellow people, mm-hmm. and so it's not simply, oh, that's my best bud, mm-hmm. but it is a Hey, I'm willing to die for this person. Okay. So that's what okay. that's the kind of love Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. What uh, just real quickly uh to go through the others, the the eros uh, philia uh, like what are what are what are those versions? Philia's friendship mm-hmm. level um and brotherly and um since I'm a, a man I have a brother that's why I use the term brotherly so sisterly as well. And then eros is the romantic style of mm-hmm. love for a spouse. Yeah, I assume not Eros. What was the uh, what was the other one that he mentioned? I, I, I thought he uh, had philia, agape, and S T O R G E. Maybe I butchered the uh, the pronunciation. I gotta admit, at this moment, I'm drawing a blank, so I won't. You stumped him. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I won't cheat by googling it. God, good job, man. <laughs> we'll just right. leave it there. Awesome job, buddy. Um, yeah, yeah, fantastic. A great question. So, uh, yeah. so uh, chapter thirteen of First Corinthians, the the love chapter, uh, and uh, so we're we're talking about uh, deep abiding love for one another, for humanity, and, and as a whole, for for our fellow uh, person. So. Yeah, when the King James Version Bible was created. In, in English, charity was the best word now. It probably would be better to have it compassion. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. Very good. All right. And with that, then we'll roll right into uh, our sponsor. I have a little bit of a different sponsor for, for this week. Um, uh, it's, it's a little bit... Um, not a not a uh, oh, none of them are serious. So yeah, <laughs> let's just jump right into my my false sponsor here. Uh, as most people know, around this time of year, February second to be exact, Punxsutawney Phil is celebrated with Groundhog Day, where he predicts the future weather and tells us if we'll have six more weeks of winter or an early spring. Little do people know that we here at Holy Family also celebrate a similar event around the same time, but with our visionary. Broad Ripple Bruce. Oh, no. (laughs) This past Saturday, also February 2nd, at daybreak, a select group known as the Fishers 
ecclesiastic club inner circle gathered around Broderipple Bruce's borough at in the church's narthex, where he whispered to the president of the inner circle in a language known as mission statement ease, whether or not he saw his shadow. And right now on this podcast, for the first time ever, we are going to share with you the results. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Now this second day of February 2019, Broad Rebel Bruce, the prognosticator of all prognosticators, was awakened from his burrow to the cheers of his thousands of God's faithful followers. In mission statement D's, uh, Bruce directed the president and the inner circle to his prediction scroll, which reads, Down in my burrow on long winter's nights, I listen to tunes to keep my mind right. From Motown to country to rap even Bach, there's Aretha and Elvis, yeah, the Beatles rock. And your cheers at the narthex really gave me a spruce. Everyone singing to the world, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. <laughs> But doing God's work, that's my song. For all of my life, that's never been wrong. So of mine own eyes, a shadow did see. Alas, so they did. Six more weeks of Lent there shall be. <laughs> did not see that coming. Well done. Well done. So uh, um, uh, I, I took a, a little bit of a page from uh, Punxsutawney Phil for this one. Yeah, uh, if uh, If... If that poem-ish style scroll sounded familiar, it's because I almost borrowed it word from word from this year's actual quote-unquote prognostication by Punxsutawney Phil. Oh. So that was actually mostly his. Uh, and uh, uh, kind of played around with it in, in, in light of our, of our vestry retreat, uh, mm -hmm. mission statement ease. Um, but a lot of this stuff <laughs> I just uh, kind of tweaked from the Wikipedia page of Groundhog's <laughs> Day. And uh, um, so he, he actually does uh, speak Groundhog-ese, as you would imagine, as, well, one, of course. as one does. And the, uh, the, it is the Groundhog Club Inner Circle that the president of that club is 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 the one who is whispered to by Constantine <laughs> Phil. So all sorts of uh, fun things did I learn about Groundhog Day uh, in in writing that bit of untruth. Um, so that was a uh, yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it <laughs> thoroughly. And if it, if this podcast is, is is about anything, it's about my own enjoyment. So. Yes. <laughs> Since it's the only way you get compensated for it, thank you. <laughs> And enjoy. Uh, so that was our that was our sponsor, uh, Broad Ripple Bruce. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> no, we're already speaking in tongues. Uh, that was mission statement E. So there you go. There you go. Uh, so, uh, uh, but in, in a way, missions. It, 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 I guess one one way to wrap that back around to being something semi serious. Uh, the mission statement of our parish. Uh, is uh, is actually kind of uh, probably was uh, um, something that that was um, in the back of people's minds as we as we held our uh, uh, vestry retreat uh, this past weekend and w you know what it is that we um, have set down as our as our mission statement for where we are being the hearts and hands of uh, of, of Jesus Christ though I mm -hmm. believe I'm not that's not the full mission that's statement, the core of it. but that's the core of it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and so that was, uh, that was, that we met on Saturday and that was, that was, uh, kind of the, I'm sure that was the central, uh, uh, theme of, uh, of, uh, their prayerful discernment of what we are going to do for this next year and where we're going to go. Well described. Yes. All right. So with all that silliness out of the, out of the way, let's, uh, let's move into Isaiah 
And uh, for this week, it's Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, and then 9 through 13 is a, if you feel like making this reading super long, right? you, uh, you can go ahead and add it. So I'll go through the whole thing, <coughs> as I nearly choke. <clears throat> In the year that King... Uzziah? Uzziah? Uzziah. See, I even practiced this and it didn't work. Uzziah. Uh, in the year I, that that king died. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm mispronouncing it now. Yes. Uzziah when uh, died. Die. When the dude died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and, whom, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep listening, but do not comprehend. Keep looking, but do not understand. Make the mind of this people dull, and stop their ears, and shut their eyes, so that they may not look with their eyes, and listen with their ears, and comprehend with their minds, and turn, and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is utterly desolate. Until the Lord sends everyone far away, and vast is the emptiness in the midst of the land, even if a tenth part remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains standing when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. So, this is a, this is a, an interesting vision. Yes. Um, uh, the, the not entirely sure um, um, what kind of nightmare it is where a seraphim uh, takes a hot coal and puts it to my mouth, but that sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be. Okay. Okay, good. Then, then, then I am on the same page. But not page. a bad terrifying. <laughs> okay. Well, and, and I have to admit, I'm a little confused in the, you know, um, when the voice of the Lord says, you know, whom shall I send? And I said, here am I. And okay, here's the message that you need to send. And the message is like, you're not going to understand. And don't <laughs> like listen to me, but don't comprehend. Keep looking, but don't understand. That seems like an odd thing to say. What is what's going on in this in this vision? Well, it's a this is what a fascinating ancient ancient writing within the book of Isaiah. It's pro it's probably the oldest section of what forty chapters or so of Isaiah that. Um, is full of, of Hebrew that is hard to translate because it is so ancient. Mm. And, and there's no reason not to think that it's from roughly the, the era that um, the scripture refers to of when um, King Uzziah died. There, I said it fit quickly enough so I could, <laughs> uh, which is um, in the 
Let's see. I'm just looking at my footnote 735 BCE. Okay. So it's way back there. And what happened was when that king died, the kingdom of Judah basically was lost. That Mm -hmm. the Assyrians came in and was were very quickly able to overwhelm the um, armies and resistors within Judah. And so what the prophecy says happened. Okay. And there's always that question within a biblical passage is which came first, the destruction or the prophecy of the destruction in terms of writing. So it could be that the author of Isaiah is trying to make sense of what he was witnessing as these foreign armies were coming in and laying waste. Gotcha. And he was certainly putting it on the shoulders of the people that because they had hardened their hearts to God, that's why they were losing their lives and their kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's ambiguous as to which came first, chicken and eggs, since it happened very quickly. Okay. So so this might be a, a prophecy uh, designed in post to explain away, like, how did, how did all this terrible stuff happen? Right. Like, well, that was because the people was, hardened their hearts towards God. God's plan that... Yeah. Which, which mm-hmm. for modern day people of faith, for the most part, would seem very, very odd. But the, the good news within it is if you know, as a listener or reader of this passage 700 years ago, or I'm sorry, 700 years before Christ, knowing that those events already happened, by hearing that God was involved with the bad stuff happening, it lets you know God's still with you and good things are coming because God's with you. Mm, okay, so this feeds into the everything happens for a reason kind of a mentality. It can, but it also could simply be God never goes away, which okay. is a, a more fundamental theology. Gotcha. Even even in the worst of times, God is there. And... Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that I guess that makes that, that does make sense because yeah, as far as like a. Uh, if you think of it in, in kind of kind of more of the terms that that I think a lot of us read, like the New Testament, this is a proclamation to people to, to right. let people know what's going on. Uh, viewing it through that that style would make this incredibly unnerving. Of like, wait, we're all gonna die? Right. Wait, I don't understand. <laughs> all right, come again. I, I don't understand. Uh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. So this it, it, with with that being um, kind of uh, backwards facing, but and, and as I've said before. You keep in mind that was a, a, a perfectly acceptable way of doing theology, mm-hmm. of looking back and and writing as if you're writing towards the future. But everyone knows who's reading it that you were looking back, and that it, it is a literary format that we are not familiar with today, and so it's it rings foreign. The other the other fun thing about this passage is basically verse thirteen about even if a tenth part remain in it, it will be burned again, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. We really don't know what that verse says. But hmm. the Hebrew is so unique. Terms are used there that are not used in any other ancient Hebrew text that we really have no idea how to translate that. And rather than just put, to quote you from a couple of weeks ago, yada, 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 <laughs> They, translators gave it their best shot. So okay, okay. if you ever have uh, a boring evening, either pull off a shelf or Google different Bible translations and see the various different ways this verse was translated. They're all guessing. 
Yeah, I, I, I was going to say uh, some of that doesn't even really make sense because right. you, you would you would you would think like they would end this with like uh, um, especially with the the holy the holy seed is the stump uh, uh, portion of the translation. Like you would think like well, stumps don't grow back. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I guess in a way, well, some, they, some can, yeah. but it's not like that doesn't exactly instill in my mind, uh, uh, like it's not over. It's like, well, I, I see dead stumps all the time. <laughs> the holy seed is the stump, is the dead stump in the yard. Okay, it, that's not. It doesn't go on the inspirational <laughs> no, poster. It, it doesn't go up there with my hang in there cat. Uh, no. <laughs> Um, no, it does not. Uh, so, so yeah, I was kind of, kind of, uh, a little bit confused with the way that ended because mm-hmm. it, it wasn't even, uh, it wasn't even an uplifting end to the verse. It was just kind of like, it's dead. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Um, anything else on nope. this one? Woe is me. I am lost. How often do I feel that way? So moving on, uh, First Corinthians. Uh, we've been visiting a lot of First Corinthians. Uh, We're recently. going through it pretty much in order, week by week. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received and in which you also stand, through which also you are being saved if you hold firmly to the message that I have proclaimed to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are alive, still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether that then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. Boy, his style. Uh, it was hard to read. <laughs> Uh, Indeed, almost, almost, almost seems rambling as far as like uh, the, the way some of those sentence structures are. But I, maybe some of that's the translation. But well, part of the challenge with the any of the New Testament is that it was written in Greek, uh-huh. and at the time of um, the writing of these letters and the Gospels, for that matter, there was not punctuation. Uh, okay. And so even... Comma here, comma there. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> it <laughs> didn't exist. And so part of the translation task is figuring out what is a sentence, when does it stop, when does a new one begin, uh, where does a comma go. Mm-hmm. And so if, particularly reading it aloud, if one needs to add a comma here or there, or take an extra breath, that's um, certainly appropriate because it wasn't construct, constructed in a way, as a written document mm-hmm. that it was uh, made for easy reading out loud. Gotcha. Even though that's how it was used uh, within the communities, but they were all used to reading from that kind of writing style since no documents had punctuation. Hmm. Boy, my my uh, my English major wife would like. 
Yeah, the grammar police had nothing to police. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so uh, uh, in this uh, section here, uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, I, it sounds like uh, it sounds like Paul is like, at first it seems like he's saying, uh, oh, I'm, I'm definitely the least. But it almost also then sounds like at the, at the same turn he then goes, and because of that, I'm also the best. <laughs> In a way, yes. A little, a little bra- <laughs> am, I, am I the only one who reads a little braggadocia in, in, in the way that that was written? Or, I mean. Well, I don't know if I'd put far, it. I, not that I ca- I'm calling St. Paul braggadocious i'm just it just it struck me as as having a tone it does have a tone and again part of it looking over the past few weeks of reading through corinthians part of it is that he's trying to establish his authority with a group that is very authoritarian and loves establishing hierarchies within the community of those who speak in tongues are the best and the brightest Mm -hmm. so paul is in some ways trying to give them a taste of their own medicine and when using their tools, which is who has the most credibility, who's closest to God, who has the the highest title, and he is claiming that for himself in gotcha. a way that can sound bragging, but really is the um, kind of approach that was probably needed with this yeah, community. What's, what's that called uh, when you when you uh, um, stylize your your the way you speak towards uh, towards somebody like you? It's something mirroring. You're like mirroring yeah. their yeah. You're their, 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 their mirroring their vocabulary, their yeah. Yeah, uh, the, world perspective, the energy that they you know yeah. if they have a certain energy to the way they speak. Right. And uh, uh, man, I forget what that what that what that's called. But okay, so so that makes some sense. I, I, I'm recalling now uh, verses uh, from from uh, weeks past where yeah he was yeah, talking chapter about twelve chapter thirteen where he's talking about authority mm-hmm. and, and speaking in tongues and trying to remind them like hey that doesn't Quite that doesn't matter. Make you on top. But so, so in chapter fifteen, and like still kind of saying, "Hey, that doesn't matter because I was the least." Uh, but you know, just in case you haven't gotten that, I'm also like I worked really hard for that. And, <laughs> <laughs> and my letters are going to be remembered, not yours. <laughs> it makes you wonder, though, uh, as he, as he's writing some of these, as all as a lot of these authors are writing these letters, like. Uh, uh, couldn't have possibly necessarily thought like, oh, this this is going to be right preserved for for forever, and you know, I mean, the most I probably could have thought was like, oh, maybe like these words will matter for a little period of time, like for, for a while. Um, well, the the basic hope that someone um, like Paul would have is that they would reach the audience mm-hmm. that they but would they, be intercepted by the various authorities that would have not been happy to hear this kind of, or read this kind of language in a letter being sent across the Roman empire. Right. Uh, earmarked it as propaganda and destroyed it. Potentially. Yeah. Or treason mm. and traced it back and destroyed the person who wrote it, which is what eventually happened to Paul. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think um, his legacy was in his mind. I think more was sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, knowing that, most of Jesus's followers were going mm-hmm. to meet an untimely end, mm-hmm. and this kind of, uh, kind of, the, the, at least the first part of it, uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of like the Nicene Creed. It's kind of like uh, kind of going down the Good bullet catch. list of uh, of things. Is that is that where the creed borrowed from, or so much? Yeah. Uh, okay. And 
what scholars think is that Paul himself was quoting an early creedal statement. Okay. And inserting a couple places where his vocabulary seems to be there in contrast to the vocabulary of the creedal statement. Hmm. So it it's it looks like there was a freestanding creedal statement that he was aware of, perhaps, probably, in fact, the people in Corinth were, so that's why he would refer to it. And yes, it was part of what informed theologians ever since, including those writing the creeds that we know today. Hmm. Interesting. Anything else on First Corinthians? So much, but we better keep moving along. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. You don't want to do a three-hour deep dive on... Well, one of the okay, just it's it's come on, Bruce, give us a taste. <laughs> it's interesting to see the names of people to whom Jesus appeared in resurrected form, mm -hmm. since these don't these names don't appear in the Gospels. Uh, you know what? So, I had actually thought about asking that. Yeah. Like, I don't rem recall that being um, necessarily the uh, any of the Gospels accounts that uh, that that the Cephas had had appeared. Right, and so it gives us a sense of what kind of conversations and teaching and storytelling was going on among early Christians and reminds us that there's a whole lot more happening in the life of Jesus, both um, pre and post resurrection than there was room to put in the gospels as the gospels themselves say, mm -hmm. but we often do think, Oh, that's all there ever was. And therefore we can build all, all of our theology and beliefs and ethics just on what's contained in those four gospels. Right rather than having the humility to say, oh, yeah, there's a whole lot that was not written down, resurrection appearances we never heard about, mm -hmm. and we really do need to have a lot more humility. Right. Humility is good. Humility is good. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll round this out then with Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, 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 sure. And the crowd Which is was the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, right? Uh, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. He saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats and the one, uh, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch." Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who are partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. So uh, uh, fishers, fisher of men uh, um, um, story here that, that we have heard right. uh, several times over in our, in our, in our lifetime. Um, so what's, what, what new, what new can you give us from, from this, uh, 
Challenge extended. No, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anything, any, anything interesting here? I mean, there there are several instances in the gospel writings where uh, Jesus is teaching to a crowd and has to kind of uh, find a find a platform that will allow him to speak. Uh, to a to a larger large enough group, you right. know, going up on a hillside, going out in a boat, um, um, and 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 this is uh, I'm trying to remember which the 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 fishes and loaves story versus uh, this one catching the fish in in the hmm. Sea of Galilee. Do do we have an idea as to like which one was maybe first or? Well, not we can't say for sure which is first in the order of the Gospel of Luke. This is first. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but as to which stories are more ancient in terms of of Christians treasuring them, we can't say for sure which is older. In part because this story of the miraculous catch of fish only occurs in the Gospel of Luke. Okay, and I so guess, we I, don't have a comparison to say, oh, it's also mentioned by Paul mm-hmm. or found in this um, non canonical gospel or something. I like guess that. context clues would be that it probably would come first because Simon then leaves everything and follows him. Right. So but, he wouldn't that would that would have to probably come first. Well and yeah, and you asked for something that may not be obvious, and that is that this in the Gospel of Luke, rather than Jesus using words that were used in the other gospels of come and follow me, mm-hmm. instead there's this miraculous catch of fish there's this symbolic multiplication um of the of the fish to refer to what you were referring to in terms of loaves and fishes and out of that basically Simon says okay i will follow you even though jesus never invites hmm okay that there there isn't a specific come follow me oh here's your dowry of a bazillion fish so Uh that we can fill our purses before we start our hike. Um, but instead, this interesting interaction of of word and deed mm-hmm. that in many ways helps set the, the theme for the Gospel of Luke, where Luke often will have various passages about hypocrisy of people not fulfilling deeds with that reflect what they say they believe. Mm-hmm. And so right off the bat, there is an action that reflects what Jesus, Jesus has promised to Peter is that you will have more people than you can imagine listening to your words um, through that symbolism of the fish. Hmm. Yeah, I guess you're right. It, he is not invited. He's almost uh, told. In, 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 in a way, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll you will be catching people. And Simon goes, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> well, it's, it, he left yeah. everything. And he followed. left everything. He followed him. And you know, I was joking about the dowry. They actually left the fish behind in the, in this story. Mm. So he had the greatest catch of fish in his fishing career. Again, they were, could have endowed their initial efforts. Uh-huh. Uh, in terms of selling that catch, instead they left it behind and walked off and followed Jesus. Um, also possible that members of the crowd might have, yeah, hey, fish, helped themselves <laughs> to it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going back for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I do like, uh, um, I, I read a little bit, as, as I you often hear uh, me say, I do read a little bit uh, extra into, uh, in this case, verse 5. Um, Simon answering, uh, Master, we have worked all night, but I've caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. In me, it kind of sounds uh, as though Simon is like, well, I've been a fisherman all my life, but if you say so. <laughs> yeah, it, it could. I think it would be a valid um, oral reading to be sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, which would make then the turn uh, 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 to then follow him all, all, all the more powerful because I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. You're a carpenter. Mm -hmm. I'm a fisherman. We've been out there. They're gone. <laughs> I don't tell you how to make a table. Don't tell me how right, to exactly. catch fish. I like the imagery of uh, Simon telling Jesus to say, stay in his lane. Yeah. <laughs> stay in your lane, Christ. Oh, wait. No, I, no, I guess not. I guess you might still know more than I do. That's part of it. He uses the term master, which, mm -hmm. which is not a sacred term. So he doesn't uh, okay. he doesn't say rabbi uh -huh. teacher uh, translate the the Hebrew there he doesn't use any any honorific that would be churchy uh -huh. uh, to use current terminology but um, instead it's master so again that could be sarcastic uh -huh. of you know, oh mighty fisher dude <laughs> oh mighty fisherman <laughs> which you're not. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, we as readers know, ha ha, Peter, you're going to be shown who's the master. Right, there. right. Yeah, that's a that, that's a uh, he lets down the lets down the nets, and I'm like, see, there's absolute holy crap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Need some help, guys. <laughs> we got quite a bit here. Um, James and John, son of sons of Zebedee, uh, they were they also be apostles those are oh yeah those are james and john right so it um so they are part of the they uh who left everything and followed him so it's right. not just simon peter it's simon peter james and john mm -hmm. uh and i'm assuming it's just the three of them because those are the only folks who are are, are bothered to be named uh would have been more fishermen for two boats than three people uh but uh well um, the boats weren't terribly large sure um but yeah, there there are certainly more people there than just these three people. Gotcha. Yeah, you're right on that. Okay. Um, and but James, John, and and Peter, Simon mm -hmm. Peter, are were throughout the Gospels leading figures among the followers of Jesus, and so Luke does bring them onto the scene. James and John, mm -hmm. even though the the story has um, Simon Peter as its focus right playing playing front runner in the story yeah yeah, yeah. um anything else on uh, on this um one of the fun things with simon peter and we'll see this actually in many of the gospel stories is simon simon peter's often over the top okay how so um that first he's perhaps sarcastic but you know not terribly respectful mm -hmm. towards jesus and there's a few Verses later, falls down at Jesus's knees and calls him Lord. There is now there mm -hmm. is a theological is a, term yeah. um, for I'm a sinful man. It, it, it's almost a, a comical exaggeration, a flair for the theatrics. Yes. Okay. And we'll see that throughout the Gospels. If you look for Peter's stories, and obviously there there are lots of them. Often Peter 
is almost an exaggerated human. Mm. Uh, exaggerated how exaggerating how a human would respond to whatever the situation is, um, whether it is encountering Jesus, denying Jesus, mm -hmm. on and on and on. That's true. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, I, it'll be for a different podcast. But that's right. That, you're, you're, yeah, that's that's true. You're not wrong there. He he's a little uh, he's a little over the top in a lot of yeah, the stories. And, and I don't want to sound disrespectful to it because the gift of that is that it's easier for us to include ourselves in Peter's story, right? Because we can always say, "No, I was never that bad." Right. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll leave it there. Yeah. That, uh, uh, absolutely true. Uh, the, uh, uh, this is uh, this has been. I've not been that bad. <laughs> and, uh, and and we'll, we'll we'll sign it off on that. So uh, thank you uh, uh, again for joining us for uh, February tenth, twenty nineteen. Come visit us on on Sunday and hear. Uh, are you uh, are you preaching on this one? Yeah, uh, fantastic. Yeah. Eight and ten. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what uh, uh, what you saved back from the podcast because you knew it was going to be in your sermon, <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, we'll 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 look forward to seeing what you have to say about that on Sundays. But uh, thank you so much again for joining us. I'm Ben and I'm Bruce, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.